When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. I am Andy Staples, uh, also known as Ari Wasserman's official uh, calorie coordinator. He sends me photos of his food. I tell him how many calories it has. I don't know if I'm right or not, but Ari, they don't hit you with a cattle prod if you miss it by 50 or 100 calories on the old calorie counting app. I know, but the entire point of the app is to tell you how you're doing from a week-to-week basis in your total calories. So if you're estimating wrong every day, then it's a, it's not right. It drives I me crazy. The entire point of the app is so that when you pick up a bag of chips that has 290 calories, you go, you know, I'm not going to waste these 290 calories on these chips, which will just make me hungry again. I just went to That's McDonald's. the point. I just went to the McDonald's nutrition menu and I was like, how much McDonald's can I eat in twenty five hundred calories a day? What 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 did we wind up on? Did you we, build your perfect? You can get fish two meal? you can get two meals. Like if you ate a Big Mac meal and a Filet fish meal, medium with a with a diet coke, you can you can eat both with twenty five hundred calories. That? Who knew? That's do you think if I ate a Big Mac and a fry for lunch? and a filet fish and a fry for dinner every day that I would lose weight? Yes, especially if you were exercising. I don't think that would be enough food, though. I think I would get hungry. You would definitely get hungry. Now, if, if you ate the equivalent calories in you know, lettuce, vegetables, lean meats, and whatnot... It would be would very probably... less satisfying. No, it'd probably be more satisfying because you're <laughs> not just hungry all the time. But no, I, I am going to publish a diet book. I don't know if, if folks know this. I'd I'm, I'm all set. It's going to be 200 pages. The 100 left pages will say eat less. The 100 right pages will say exercise more. And that's the book. Yeah. It's so it'll funny. Sell very well. Well, I'm, I'm coming to uh, see you in a few months. And my goal is to be much skinnier next time I see you. Well, so, well, this is the, this was the big news of our, our trip to Arizona where we all met out there. Uh, the whole athletic college football staff, Ari, while we while we were eating entire pizzas, downloaded that calorie counting app that I've been using, and so we are we are going to be calorie buddies. Ari sent me a photo. That meal that your wife made for you tonight looked delicious. That was uh, she some, makes dinner every night, and it's always delicious, oh and it's my always Lord. nutritionist. So nutritional some beef with some mushrooms, and then a little broccoli and a little rice, and that's, so if there's onions and mu- onions and mushroom chopped up in the meat, mm-hmm. do you even bother counting that, or is it just doesn't even matter because it's, it's zero. pretty negligible? But you could probably throw twenty or twenty five calories on there if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. So my my calorie app says that I should be eating twenty five hundred uh, calories a day, and I, when I work out, I usually burn between seven hundred and a thousand which can add on to it. Um, yes, that's right. But I'm going to try my best to eat only good calories while doing it too. There you go. So, and no, okay. Try your best, but understand there will be days when you want to cheat. Like for instance, last week when you and I were eat- together eating pizza, I ate about a pizza and a half. 
one's well, the best okay. pizza on the face of the earth. I took Andy to my favorite pizza place ever uh, with the rest of the college football team, and we went to Spinato's Pizza in Phoenix, and I never really got an official score from you. It was very good. good. I was very impressed. I liked the thin crust better than the mm-hmm. Sicilian, which unusual for me. Typically, I like the Sicilian better, but the, the thin crust was great. It, it just you know meshed well with the with the toppings. and How and many people do you think ball. downloaded the, the, the calorie-counting app while eating 9,000 calories of pizza? Um, you and you. Hey, what, what else would you expect from my messed up mind? But Max Olson's in our little club too. I know you guys look really skinny, so I'm in. We're trying. Yeah, we're trying. Okay. Speaking of your messed up mind, that's what I wanted to delve into today. I, I had this thought over the weekend because I was watching these, you know, I was watching the, the Sixers in the heat and I was watching James Harden shoot these, 25 foot three pointers where he just just no regard for anything and i mean that's a heat check that's what that is it's a heat check you you check and see how hot you are you might be on fire as they said in the nba jam game and you with your takes usually fairly hot me not always so hot but sometimes i come in pretty smoking we got to do a heat check here we're gonna fire off our college football takes and we're going to see just how hot we can get and how wrong we can be. Well, how wrong you can be. I'll probably be right. Mm-hmm. But but I want to see. I want to get into Ari's mind. And then it's, so it's three college football takes, one non, non-college football take. And we will see, A, how wrong Ari can be. And B, which I said right after B, just how deep into his twisted mind we can get. So I did this like the porridge. I did okay. one hot that's too hot, oh, one that's like kind of cold, and one that's just right, Goldilocks. Okay. And then my, I think that my non-football take, which, spoiler alert, I said to your face in public last week, and you seem to kind of agree with me, so I'm very curious to see how it goes on this podcast. I don't even remember. I gotta, I'm trying yeah, to think that, of what that, it I'm is. Gonna tease it. I'm going to tease you. Um, so you tell me where you want me to start, and I'll start. I'll get the ball rolling. Do you want me to go with the mild take? That might, I mean, I think, let me, let me preface it this way. Mild is my flavor. I still think I might upset some people with all of them. Okay. So you want me to start scorching hot or do you want to build up? Oh, let's build up. Let's, let's go, let's go with your mildest take first and then, then we'll go my mildest and we will, we will move through our, our levels of heat, our Scoville unit scale. And I'm very curious how you're going to take this because I've always felt this way. I don't like watching football when there's shitty weather. Well, okay. I find you it don't less like entertaining. Sitting in bad weather while watching. No, football. I. If I'm in my living room, I don't. I enjoy it less. You enjoy it less on the television. If the weather is bad outside your door or at the stadium. At the stadium, if they're playing in like really rainy weather or very okay, snowy well, weather. I originally thought you were you were meaning when like it was raining outside your house. Oh no, I don't even know how that would impact. No, I don't okay. like watching when they play in bad weather. What? It, you you would rather it be perfect conditions. You want a dome every time. I just don't like watching teams when they can't, uh, when they are hindered from playing. Their <laughs> type of oh, I know what this is. What is it? The rain and the snow make stars matter less. That's right. That's right. Oh. I don't like. I don't like when, or if it's really windy out. I don't like when a team can't play to its full potential because of something out of their control. So you didn't. You didn't. That and this isn't a college football game, but. That Bills Patriots Monday night game 
where it was so windy and Belichick was like, Mac Jones, don't you dare throw. You didn't like that? that I mean, was I like awesome. it. I like all football. I mean, I, I don't not like watching it. But you but like I that I would less. much rather watch a game where both teams are playing at full potential. Like, I don't like watching the game that that is just like, well, they can't throw the ball because it's a blizzard outside. Yeah. So which team's going to mess up less? I love when Mother Nature throws a curveball or when someone throws a shoe like the Florida LSU shoe game in 2020. The fog was so thick that you didn't know how anybody would make a kick. But Cade York did make a 50 yard kick. But But I also don't like when the stakes are high in them. Because if there's a season being if there's a season being decided by football game and football game is changed because of something out of both teams control that stinks. So I, I don't know. I don't know if people agree with me or they think I'm an idiot. And some people are like screaming, like that. Uh, There are, there are are a, a portion of people who agree completely with you. There's a much bigger portion of people that are like me going, are you nuts? And I can take it a step further. Okay. Because I am very pro expanded playoff games being in home stadiums, but I am afraid that those stadiums will be snowing really, really bad. So you're like Gene Smith where you just move it to Ford Field. Yeah, let's just move <laughs> let's move our, our game. No, I didn't understand that. And if you if you're a, a team that plays in cold weather, then obviously you want to have a warm weather team from the south come up and play in that in that environment. I get it. I just wouldn't want to watch it. I wouldn't want to watch a team going to Ohio Stadium that was like if USC achieves Nirvana and gets me my thousand dollars from year in three years, and they're like the best team in the Pac-12 and they throw the ball all over the place and they have to go to Ohio Stadium and play in a blizzard and they lose. I would think that sucks. So when it started snowing in the Michigan Ohio State game, because I I feel like HDTV, like I, I remember the first time I saw a high definition picture. And it was just like, wow. But then remember when ESPN did the the big featured story on SportsCenter on the football team in Barrow, Alaska? That was the first time I ever saw snow in HD. It looks pretty, yeah. Snow in HD is amazing. So like when Michigan and Ohio State were playing last year and it started to snow, you were like, eh, I wish it would warm up a few degrees and the, and the precipitation would move through. No, because I don't think Ohio State lost because of the weather. It would. It made it harder to throw. I think that they got their butts kicked on the line of scrimmage, and I think they, that they happens sure indoors did. too. They, so they I, I've heard. I've heard people say that the weather impacted that game. I don't think the weather was bad enough in that game to to impact what I'm saying. I don't like when it's pouring down rain or, or it's impossible to throw the ball. Because I like see, skill. I, position I like. Players. I like that every once in a while. I like when weird stuff happens, and the coaches players have to figure it out. They have to figure out how to adapt. I feel like that's the kind of challenge. I feel like watching people run in quicksand is less fun than watching them run at full strength. Oh, but watching them hydroplane in like eight yards at the end of a play is amazing. Yeah. So you're, you're not with me on that. No, I am not with you. And I don't okay. think most of society is with you on that. No, I think most of society's like snow game. Hell yeah. Rain game. Let's go mud game. Do it. Yeah, that's what most of society is like. And maybe I'm weird, uh, but I, I just like watching really talented athletes athlete. And you're gonna hate this one. Okay, you ready? Did you do yours like mild or yours all scorching? This is the mildest of the three. The, okay. the, the final one is a recruiting take, and it is scorching. I can't wait because I don't have no. any recruiting takes. Believe it or not. 
Yeah, it's probably wrong, but it is scorching. Okay. Number one, Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby is the equivalent of Austin P beating Alabama this November. It's probably worse. You think so? I mean, it's not 80 to 1. I mean, 80 to 1 is not I don't think Austin P would be 80 to 1. Like what those odds mathematically. On game? I mean, a lot of times those games aren't even on the board for a money line, but it might be right. like 17 to 1 or 20 to 1. Wow. I mean, wow. 80 to 1 is staggering, dude. Like, like that Rick, I don't know anything gotta, about horse racing and I don't know I don't know how to to compute that from a uh, you know, football standpoint, like I, I, I like what you did there, but I, I don't know enough about horse racing to know what makes a horse an 80 to one dog. Um, but well, I it was do also, know it that was in the, it was in the, the most distant post position. So it actually had to run farther than anyone else. It found out that it like the horse was informed. The entire group was informed that the horse was running in the Kentucky Derby on Friday and the, and the jockey has never done it before or something, right? The jockey rode six races in Cincinnati the day before. So what's more what's more insane about that? Is it that he won or is it how he won? Yes and yes. I, I will say maybe it's like if Austin P didn't know they were going to play Alabama right now and were told Friday morning they had to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama and then the next day beat Alabama. They're playing Alabama. They are you said Alabama. Texas. No, I said Alabama. Okay, I heard Texas for some reason. That's, that's um, because you just have Texas on the brain. Well, we have but. we have it recorded, so people can we'll find out. But mm-hmm. I always like have orgasmic, Texas on the brain. The but I day. do think maybe Austin P beating Alabama would be would be more than twenty to one. But I don't even I, like that would be such a big dog that they don't even put it on the board. Probably so. Here's the other thing. So for Austin P, that is the last game on their regular season schedule. So. I, I am going to assume that an Austin P team that's capable of beating Alabama would also make the FCS playoffs. They would be good enough against the other F, the, the other FCS schools to make the playoff. They would absolutely lose their first game in the FCS playoffs. Like there would be no sober person in Clarksville, Tennessee, until at least the following Friday. I'm going to do one better. If the if governor's good enough to beat Alabama. Alabama. They're good enough to make the regular playoff. Because <laughs> 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 most teams that make the playoff aren't good enough to beat Alabama. But I yeah, I don't know that that's not a. I don't know if that's uh, even remotely hot take. Well, both it's are, my both, coolest take. Both would be insane. Um, but, but I it, do, it, I would, because, you you know, in football games, you can live bet. Yeah. So, like, and I know that the Kentucky Derby is like, what, a minute? But if you could see the odds of that horse winning the race, if you paused it halfway through, the same way, you, it would be like Austin P losing to Alabama by 23 in the third in the second quarter and then winning. The the replay of the race from the, the cable cam that's above the horses that showed where he was the entire time and then showed where the runner up was the entire time is insane. You're just watching him. I mean, everything just breaks right open for him. And apparently the leaders were running such a blistering pace that essentially they all ran out of gas. You know, I went to the Kentucky Derby with my friends five years in a row and I never made, never saw a horse. <laughs> Did you see a julep? I did, and then I saw my face down in the mud by 3 o'clock. <laughs> uh, but uh, some of the best days of my life were at the Kentucky Derby, and if you live in the Midwest or anywhere where it's within driving distance and you're in their 20s, uh, rent an RV with your friends, get an inflatable pool, use that pool uh, to fill up with beer and ice, put it down on the ground and use it as a peace offering to the beautiful ladies who are walking by you and have yourself a day. 
Aria Wasserman tarp off at Churchill Downs. Tarp off everything. Oh, yeah. That, wow. I mean, half the time I didn't even make it to the infield because the, tail, <laughs> the tailgate is so insane outside of the Kentucky Derby because they set up all these um, – the, the parking lot for the Louisville football mm-hmm. uh, stadium is where you tailgate, and all these buses get dropped off with sorority girls, and everybody just parties in the, in the – in the parking lot and then everybody walks like a mile and a half to the derby and like the derby what starts like at four o'clock or something local time uh, the, i mean the derby the actual derby race is the kentucky derby is the last race of the day and isn't and like, it, is that like at it five goes off or like six, six or seven yeah 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 by then like you've been drinking since 10 a.m so like walking through and it's always blazing hot that day it's either raining or blazing hot and sometimes it's just like i cannot walk two miles right now and you just pass out in the RV horse. Yeah. I, it was but just, when you're in the infield, you don't see the horses anyway. And and how about the, the call of the race? Rich strike was not mentioned until it was rich strike hits the finish line and wins. That was the first time the horse was mentioned. I don't know anything about horse racing, but I have read, takes online that that is the most shocking result to a sporting event in the history of sports i mean it's up there it's it's it i felt like it was more shocking than appalachian state over michigan well i want to go i'm curious to go look up the odds of that what the odds were for that game well appalachian state over michigan though it happened over the course of three hours obviously and the other weird factor with that game was it was the first game broadcast on the Big Ten Network. So you had a lot of people going, how do I get this? It actually was the best thing that happened for the Big Ten Network, even though the Big Ten team lost, because you had so many people calling their cable company going, how do I get this network? It's funny, because I've looked up some of the odds from some of the biggest upsets in history. Mm -hmm. And the biggest upset in college football history that I can see on this list here was when New Mexico beat Boise State um, on in November of 2015. And the spread was 31, and New Mexico was 55-1. to 1. Wow. Wow. Is the App State one, I, I, I imagine, was not as big because Appalachian State was coming off an FCS national title. They were pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to find it on here. They were 33 point underdogs, so maybe it was something like 50 to one. Maybe. But so not 80 to one, 81 is insane. I don't think people can appreciate. I'm trying to look at some other, even the Portland State beating Washington State in September of 15 was 52 and a half to one. Um, I'm trying to look at some more of the more recent ones. Western Michigan lost to Nichols State. They were 29 point dogs. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a few more out there, um, but. Uh, 80 to one is nowhere near uh, the odds that you'll find on this list with some of these games. So yeah. Um, it's I'm just insane. trying to figure out how, yeah, how shocking that really was. And, and to me that, that feels pretty shocking, but it didn't even, it didn't even make a list of the, the top money line upsets of that 10 year period. So the uh, the the backyard brawl where Pitt beat West Virginia was a big money line upset. Oh, I, I don't know what the odds were, but the biggest money line upset that I've that was New Mexico um, and Boise State. That was on this list. This is here are some other ones. Um, Howard 
beating UNLV when they were 45 and a half oh, point yeah, underdogs in 17, I think was 60 to one. Um, Stanford beating USC in 07, obviously. They were 40 and a half point dogs, uh, and that was 60 to one. Michigan, Michigan was a 32 point favorite over Appalachian yeah, State. Yeah, so it's somewhere in between Oster. 50 and 60, not 80. Um, I'm trying to see some more recent ones. Um, Liberty beat Baylor when they were a 34 point dog in 17. James Madison beat Virginia Tech in 2010. Yep. Um, App State is number nine on the on the list here for biggest upsets. Uh, point points wise, there there were nine other games ahead of them that were had larger spreads. Wow! So I think that I think the App State Michigan game is more of a symbolic uh, upset because of the the level of playing was different or the the FCS FBS all that right. But it wasn't the biggest point total. So right, um, and so also t- probably Appalachian State's talent was underrated in that game. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if you win a national championship at a lower level, like where does that put you in the higher levels rankings? So we're like, saying what we're saying though is the Govs have a chance at Bryant Denny come November. I think you just hexed them, dude. I'm taking the points. I'm telling you that much right now. Yeah, I don't even know if it's going to be on the board. I, I, I don't even know if there's going to be a oh, point spread. Oh, there'll be a point spread. You think so? There was one, there was like one point spread that was 64 last year that I took, and I won. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's, a, certain, there's a certain point total spread where you just kind of just take it and just hope for the best. All right, what is your heat check take number two, your medium? This is These your are both pretty goalie, hot. I read them back. Locks, they're going right? to make... I think both okay. people are. I think both of these are pretty warm. Okay. When Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and if there is no expanded playoff, the committee should view the Big Twelve the same way they view Group of Five programs now or uh, conferences now. So, what I think will happen will be that what they did, because they did that when the Big East kind of dissolved and and became the American. But the the makeup of the American was essentially the makeup of Conference USA 10 years earlier. That's what happened. Because the, the Big East was a BCS conference. It was, mm-hmm. while we know it wasn't on par with the SEC and the Big Ten, it was viewed that way. And it was codified that way in the, in the BCS contract. But as soon as that part went away, then it was viewed as a as a group. And this is a little bit different though, because you have human beings judging. So we saw last year that a group of five team made the playoff for the first time and the amount of things that Cincinnati had to get right. Um, not just with what they did on their schedule, schedule but also just be lucky. The schedule was perfect. I think that should be the standard for the remainder of the big 12 teams. If they don't have to play Oklahoma or Texas. And the reason why is because every single power five program as it currently stands outside of the Pac-12, but even the Pac-12 to a certain extent has an anchor. Mm-hmm. And the, the anchor, obviously, for the ACC is Clemson. You've got every team in the SEC is an anchor. You've got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. You've got anchors where if you well, And win I would the argue conference, that, that Wisconsin and sometimes Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa can, can yeah. be that anchor too, yeah. So, like, the Pac-12 has, you know, symbolic anchors, I guess, with USC and Oregon and sometimes Washington. Yeah, I mean, Oregon's pretty good right now. Yeah, and Oregon's And, and, Oregon's and Utah's good. pretty good right now. So, if you win the Pac-12, I think you deserve the benefit of the doubt in terms of, of getting in if you're a one-loss team or better. But I don't know. I, I think a team from the new Big 12 in three years or whenever it is 
that that expands is going to have to be awesome and undefeated to make the playoff the same way that Cincinnati had to be. Because if you don't if you don't beat Oklahoma or Texas to win the conference, then you're not impressive enough to me. So now I will say I do think the quality of the new Big Twelve is going to be higher than the quality of the American after it sure. went from being the Big East to the American. I, I, I do think it's a higher quality league and a little deeper league. So I'm not sure I feel I'm not sure they're gonna need the stars to align as much as Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati needed Notre Dame to be basically undefeated other than the time they played Cincinnati. So I don't know that you're going to need that. If you're like Oklahoma state, like you don't need to go undefeated. And then also whatever power five team you played out of conference needs to win the conference title. Like, I think you, you can be undefeated in that league. Well, I think the Oklahoma in. state's a really good example because Oklahoma state this past year, if they would have, uh, you know, had one extra yard, uh, mm-hmm would have won the big 12 and they would have been uh 12 and one. Right. Yes. And in doing so, uh, what was their one loss this year? They lost to Iowa state on the road by three, but they beat Texas and Oklahoma. Um, I think that I would have banged the drum for Oklahoma state to get into the playoff as a big 12 champion, one loss over Cincinnati. Had they won that game, if Oklahoma, if they had the same record and the same schedule, but they're, their wins over Texas and Oklahoma were replaced with wins over UCF and, and BYU. I don't know that I would believe that they were a playoff team. I think that it, like beating the anchor teams is a very big, important piece to the equation. It's interesting that you say that because on Tuesday, Greg Sankey was speaking in an event, the, the SEC commissioner, and he said, basically, I don't think everyone heard me, so I'll say it again. The SEC will thrive if it stays at four. And that's him saying the SEC is done trying to give you what you need. The SEC is going to do what the SEC wants at this point or what is good for the SEC. And it's also him saying he believes the SEC has built a better mousetrap that can survive and thrive. Is your fantasy coming through where the SEC just splits from the rest of the football? No, I don't think we're there yet. I I really sounded like it, didn't it? I think it depends (laughs) on the big 10. You know, the big 10 is about to do this billion dollar year TV deal. And if they want to play a different game than the SEC while breaking in the same kind of money as the SEC, I, I will be surprised. I will be surprised when they all have that much money and that much more money than everybody else that they don't just act like the SEC at that point. They might. That's, I, I mean, that, that's, I feel like that's human nature. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they will not. Maybe they will say, no, no, we've been playing this way the, the whole time. We're not going to use our financial advantage to to make you know Minnesota better, to make Nebraska better, to make this you know Purdue better. But I think they are because I think you've seen Purdue spend money, you've seen Indiana spend money. Yeah. And now that the rules have changed, money can be spent differently. So. Yeah. Okay. So what's your next one? My next one is in the Big Ten, and this is this is from talking to to Mitch Sherman. And he almost talked me out of this, but I think I'm ready to. I think I'm ready to to put this on paper, and and just say you know you can you can yell at me if I'm wrong, and we'll know that in October or November. Scott Frost will keep his job for 2023. They will improve enough at Nebraska this season for them to feel like the trajectory is where it needs to be, and he will be the coach in 2023. What does that look like then? I think it looks like a seven or eight win season. 
a seven or eight win regular season. Because I, I don't think it has to, like, they don't have to win the Big Ten West. They just need to show improvement. Remember, they've been real bad. And last year, they were bad record-wise, not terribly bad in the games. They were in all these games. Now, what Mitch pointed out, and he's right, is that even though that result appears fluky, like when you have the same aggregate score on both sides of the equation in Big Ten play, yet you're one and eight, he makes the point that they were awful in, a, in specific ways, and that came and bit them in the butt multiple times. For example, special teams definitely cost them the Michigan State game. I don't pin it, pin the Iowa loss all on it, but if that block punt doesn't happen, there's a good chance they hang on and win that game. So no, no, but that's coaching. Right. And that's that's why Mitch almost talked me out of it. But I do You can't think, say well they're terrible in a specific area and they lost games that they should have won and then not assign Well they're actually that to the addressing coaching. that specific area. They for whatever reason, and, and this is Mitch and I talked best. If you want to go back to, to if you haven't listened to Monday's show with Mitch Sherman, it's really good. It's Mitch is great talking about Nebraska. We also talk about where Nebraska fits in the grander scheme. But one of the things that, that Mitch said that I'm not sure the wider world understands about Nebraska the last few years is they were trying to cut corners on special teams. They were trying to use analysts, and that's why they got in trouble, in fact, a couple, you know, a couple years ago for using an analyst to coach special teams. When they added the 10th on-field assistant, if you didn't already have a special teams coordinator, it's pretty obvious what you needed to do. Like, why you would not devote significant resources to punt, punt, return, kickoff, kickoff, return, field goal, field goal, block. Like, why you would not devote significant resources that is beyond me. Because it is critically important in terms of field position, in terms of explosive plays, in terms of changing games. So, but they are doing that now. And that's why I think maybe they finally figure it out. And maybe I just, I just don't like to see people get fired. I like, can I do a, can I do a bonus go quick for it. take? I think it's absolutely insane that college programs don't have a, a place kicking coach. I, that is a hundred percent dedicated to working with the, the place kicker, his foot, his footwork, his foot placement, the way he strikes the ball and analyzing film, like I've been to enough college practices in my life to see the kickers off to the side, like completely ignored during practice or playing by cards. themselves without anybody yeah. overseeing them. And how many times during a college football year are you sitting there with your hand, your fingernails being bitten because you're so worried about a kick going in or out and there was nobody there to coach them? It's like with all the money and the resources and the analysts and all the things that are spent winning football games, we all know that punting and, and kicking to even a bigger extent probably can win you or lose you a national title. And they don't have personalized kicking instructors for the place kickers on the team. I think is borderline insane. Well, it, I don't know that you would hire one just for the place kicker, but you could hire one to, to coach the place kicker and the punter. There's because... a Coles kicking camp that is designed to help high schoolers get scholarship offers as place kickers, long snappers and punters. Right. The coaches at that camp working with high schoolers have more kicking expertise than anybody right. that's in the building. Yeah, my guy at, Brandon Cornblue kicked he kicked at Michigan and he, how could he coaches a, kickers. Yeah. How how can a college program not have one expert in the building that knows exactly how to coach a kicker? 
Well, some of them do, and and some of them are analysts, and they're not really supposed to be coaching on the field. But yeah, I, you you should. I would, and, and the thing is, like, if you were if you were a kicker at a, at a decent level, you probably did kick and punt in high, in high school, at least in high school. And I would not everybody's Pat McAfee, where you you were the place kicker and the punter in college, but there is a group of people who probably could coach place kickers and punters because you don't have to have played all of it at a high level. You played one of them at a high level and you did the other one. You can coach the other one. And I think that would be helpful. I don't know if you know this about me, but punting is a massive weapon. I think me and Kirk Ferentz love punting. Yeah. My cousin, Kyle, who I grew up with, that is my age um, and is one of the closest people to me in my life was a kicker in high school. And, um, his dad uh, spent an inordinate amount of money flying him to camps and kicking camps and punting camps. And he got a, a walk-on spot on Ohio U's football team. And from what I understand, he was basically ignored when he got to school from a coaching standpoint. Right. And he was a tremendous punter and kicker, especially at the high school level, because he was training at it every single day and going to camps and getting instructions from personal kicking coaches. I think a Grammatica brother helped him. Like, I mean, like he actually like put a lot into it. And I just remember just being baffled by that. Like you put all this time, money and and resources into finding a kicker at the college level. And if you need a good punt or you need a good kick, you're sending somebody out there who's basically been doing their own take home tests. I I just remember because as the, as a very undersized offensive lineman, I worked out with the long snappers. And I would ask them, like, what do y'all do every day at practice? Yeah, what do they do all day? <laughs> and they're like, well, we do this, and we do this, and then we go here. And but they we do, do their own practices? Yeah, yeah, they're basically... That is not insane needed. to you? Oh, yeah, it is. But what you'll see if you try to add another coach is is the FCS schools and the group of five, we can't afford it. Can't afford it. What was the, the Michigan-Michigan State game? I guess that was a blocking problem. Right. But if those you guys, a, those if guys you have a, multiple coaches. But if you had a, but if you had a punting coach, he might not have fumbled the ball away the way he. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think that if I had a kicker who was coming onto the field for a twenty-nine yard field goal in the snow, right? Because we love right. bad weather, I would be more comfortable as a football coach of a program, knowing that that guy's been working at it with a specialist every single day. But the way a quarterback does with his throwing. All right, Ned, we'll get. I, I know we've got a few more to get to, but I want to get a, a little more in the weeds on this. How are you gonna? Okay, there's no such your, thing as a baby take, is there? No, one <laughs> of your ten is a kicker, punter, coach. So what are the other nine? Um. Okay. So I. I. I don't know. I don't know how I would break this down. This is an interesting question. I, I think that you would need a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator. But the OC can coach a position on offense, so you can you can double him up. He can coach QBs, he can coach offensive line, he can coach receivers, tight ends, whatever you want. And it's usually the quarterbacks that they do? A lot of times, but you have you have like Jeff Grimes was an offensive line coach by trade. He's now the offensive coordinator at Baylor, but he works with the tight ends and he's the OC. I've seen coaches I've seen um, programs, and I don't know if I'm going to get this breakdown correct because um, what do I know? But I've seen coaches that have like inside linebackers only. Yes. Or, yes. or I or would not have, have that and I would have a kicking coach. Yeah, or sometimes they'll split up the, the O-line and tight ends with a tight ends and tackles coach and a guards and centers coach. 
Yeah, I don't think I would do any of that. I think I would just have an OC who would probably be the quarterback coach. Okay. Because I want the OC to know exactly what my quarterback's tendencies, susceptibilities okay, so that's, are. That's one. That's one. An offensive line coach, a receivers coach, a running Three. back coach. Four. Um, and I don't know how I feel about a tight ends coach. Tight ends coach. A lot of times, tight, tight ends, ends coach, coach run is your game coordinator. Well, a lot of times, tight ends coaches are also your special teams coordinator. Yeah, tight ends, special teams. Then is that five? That's five. So let's go to defense now. You got defensive four line left. coach. Okay, linebacker One, coach. Two. I've got four spot. I've got two left yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how if I would want to break up the secondary. You could do safeties and corners, or you could do you could do. Uh, Outside line, I would go outside linebackers, inside linebackers. If you have a four line, if it's either four linebackers or if you base out of a nickel. But can one secondary coach do an adequate job coaching all the safeties and all the corners? Well, that's the thing. If you base out of a nickel and you have an outside linebackers coach that works with your kind of hybrid guy, your star, and that kind of like a, helps you with that. Yeah, it's like a nickel slash small outside linebacker. Yeah, I, you can do. I I think it could work. I, I do think you could have an effective coaching staff if you devoted one spot to a kicker punter coach because everybody else had nine assistants all along. Also, your head coach may specialize in a position. If they're a hands-on type head coach, like Nick Saban is basically the assistant DB's coach at every Alabama practice. Yeah. I guess I, I don't think I'd want to break up the linebackers in the two. It just depends on like if you if you're a, a like a four three or a three three five, you you might not. You may want to have them all together, and you may want to split your secondary coach. If like you're three three five, you may want to split your secondary coaches up, and have a safeties and safeties coach and corners. Would coach. you would you put would you put a spot on your staff for a kicking coach? I think it's a good idea. It, it, if you're if that person is capable, I would want to make hashtag sure hashtag college kickers. Yeah, I want to make sure they're capable of working with the kickers and the punters. Yeah, think, it would be both. It would be both. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a or really smart idea. Too, because that's that. You know what? You know what that is. You know what kickers and punters are? Points and yards. Yeah, I know. It's insane. Yeah. All right. So we've solved. And I've never and I've never staff. heard. I've never heard of a. Co- uh, I don't think there's a single program that I've heard of that has one. I was gonna say. Some coaches have kicked before, like Steve Spurrier was the long-distance field goal kicker when he played at Florida. He famously kicked a very long field goal against Auburn his senior year. That The kick basically won him the Heisman, even though he was a quarterback. Because it was like, oh, he, he he's also a kicker. And he, and he did that. So, yeah, I, it's there are not a lot of people who have done that. There are not a lot of punters mm-hmm. who became – there's a few – I believe Jeff Banks at Texas is a former is he a punter or, or a kicker. I can't remember. He was, one he, was of the other. he was a punter who is a special teams coach. So Yeah, but special teams coach and kicker coach would be different. It's the same. If you've punted at a high level, you could be the kicker coach. I guess you could be the, the special teams coordinator should be an expert on place kicking and punting. Well, because here's the thing. If you're working, if you're the special teams coordinator, so you run the special teams meeting, which is – most of the team, it's basically everybody but the offensive lineman. You run punt, return, punt, kickoff, return, return and kickoff kick at, at practice. And then the rest of the time, while the offensive line coach is working the offensive line, the linebackers coach is working the linebackers, you would be working with the kickers and the punters and the snappers. That's perfect. Yeah. That's you solved you gotta, 
you got to find you got to find that person. There's not a lot of qualified people for that. So that's that's who you got to find. All right. My next take. You ready? It's my turn. Oh shoot. Oh, you, you can go added, first. It's your show. I forgot you added one. You go first. Go ahead. All right. My hottest take. Okay. And this has sort of been trickling out here the last few days. And it's not definitive by any stretch, but I'm making it definitive now because I wanted to have a scorching take in this in this podcast. Arch Manning will be a Florida Gator. Well, you can elaborate. So there have been rumors that he's on the day that he gets a crystal ball to Texas. Thinking about Billy Napier and company. Oh, yeah. I wrote that in the story I wrote about him. Exactly. Exactly. I read your stories. So I, okay. If Texas has a good season, sure. But if Texas isn't doing so well, let's say Texas has a similar season to last year. Does he want to climb on board there? I think that recruits are sold on fixing problems. You can be the one to fix this. Yes. Okay. I don't know that I buy into if team isn't very good next year, that good player doesn't want to go there anymore. The what, thing what that I think would cause him because if, if if they go five and seven again, do you think Sark is safe? Well, if they go five and seven again, then it'll be dysfunctional, which I think is different than not being very good. Okay. And I think dysfunctional would be a turnoff. So that would give Billy Napier and company a chance. Yes, but he's also like the second place team right now is Georgia. What do they do? They don't do anything. <laughs> I I got the impression from the original lists that, that Arch didn't want to be like another cog in the wheel. Like he didn't want to be the guy who just went to the place that just steamrolls everybody that he wanted to be like, you, like the, the same reasoning he would go to Texas, like the one who kind of lifts it out of the, of the morass. I think if you, if you went another way with it, it would be even more interesting. What if my dreams come true? Mm-hmm. And Quinn Ewers is just awesome. And Texas wins 10 games next year. Does that make them less attractive? Okay, so Quinn Ewers. All right, now here's here's a question. This is very kind of regulatory. Because he reclassified, did his clock for the NFL start last year? I think it did, yes. Okay, so if Quinn Ewers is awesome, I don't think one year of an awesome Quinn Ewers I mean, you're sitting behind an awesome Quinn Ewers is the worst thing. Just like I wouldn't think one year of sitting behind an awesome Anthony Richardson. You know, now that you mention or, it, I'm not one, I'm not sure. I, isn't the rule three years out of high school? Three years, three years since your class graduated from high school. But I guess that's his I don't class know how that applies. I mean, he is in the class of 21, right? Yeah. Well, and and also, do we know? Do we know if Quinn Ewers did the? Uh, the Southern football middle school redshirt. I don't know the answer to that. I honestly don't know what his NFL. That's is. like I when t- uh, when JT Daniels reclassified to to go to USC a year earlier than expected. He was he was the same age as that graduating class because he had done that that thing. Uh, so Quinn Ewers is currently nineteen. He he just turned nineteen. So he's he's pretty much the age of a of a freshman. My like, understanding is that he can go to the NFL. After yeah, he went year. to a, he went to Ohio State at 18 years old. He turned 18 the March before he went to Ohio okay, State. Then I think so he's that good. was 
that's the same age as most of his graduating class. So, yeah. yes. So, I don't think a year of a great Quinn Ewers that Arch Manning would have to sit behind. I don't think it's that would be... It's not just about sitting about him. It's about sitting behind him. It's also about being the guy who fixes things. And then yeah. if Quinn Ewers does awesome, then he's not the guy that's... And fixed this is just things. speculation. But, that, but, but you could say that, okay, well, George is already fixed, so they don't need fixing. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't be an issue either. Florida, if Anthony Richardson can he just go awesome, to Ole Miss be and be and just be awesome at it? I just don't know. Does he want to do that? Does he want to not? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that he wants to be where where his dad was or where his uncle was or you know. So Tennessee would be the same thing when with Peyton there. Uh, maybe just he go want, to Arizona. There you go. There you go. Blaze your own trail. Blaze it to Tucson. I just drove so, through Tucson uh, on my way back from my wedding, and I miss miss it there. It's nice. Did you grab a Sonoran dog? Uh, I did not, um, and that's the perfect segue into my into my take. That's okay, not go football for related, but I go want, for it. Put that put a pin in it for okay. Sonoran dogs. Okay. My last take is Ohio State is the most underachieving program in college football. Mm. Not as long as the University of Texas still stands. Based on resources and what they've brought into the program, it is remarkable to me that they're going on almost 10 years without winning a national title and missing the playoff half the time. Like, I don't, I can't, I don't know if you can name a team that has as much going for it that has been so, so remarkably short all the time. Let me, let me ask you this one the, the 2017 team and the 2018 team, both of which missed the playoff. If they play in the SEC, does one of those two make the playoff? I think that the... With similar s- results. Those were the teams that got beat by Purdue and Iowa. Iowa, so Iowa the first year, Purdue yeah. the second, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know why that... Why would that help? I just... I, I think the year they lose to Iowa, maybe it's different. They're I mean, they got off. their doors blown off in both of those games. So I know they did, and I think that, and, that those games also play a big, a big role in what I'm saying. Well, and 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 so I'm trying trying to play out the analogy. So if they were in the ace in, in the SEC, the the losing by three touchdowns on the road to Iowa would be losing by three touchdowns on the road to a good Arkansas team. Yeah, good Arkansas team or Mississippi State. Yeah. And then the Purdue one would be like getting blown out by getting blown out at Ole Miss. Right. I actually so, think Ole Miss would be more understandable because they're awesome offensively. Right. Or maybe it would be like getting blown out by Tennessee, Kentucky. Who I think Kentucky is probably no, because Kentucky's good. Who's the Purdue of the SEC? Kentucky's like Iowa. I think hmm. that I think that Kentucky was a better um Kentucky was a better comparison for Iowa than it was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think we should we should assign Kentucky to the Iowa spot. To the Iowa score. How about South Carolina for Purdue? I think that yeah, that, that sometimes they play great and and can do you know some things that that amaze you and but South Carolina's had just, some big upsets too, but yeah. sometimes they're just horrid. Yeah. I think that I think that works. It you're right. Cuz I I go, I I can always go back to Nick Saban on with Scott Van Pelt in 2017, the night of the, the conference championship game. So Alabama didn't play in one because it was Georgia Auburn. 
and Nick Saban is going, and he's referring to Ohio State, if we'd lost by three touchdowns on the road, you wouldn't be talking to me tonight. Yeah, no, it was all it was correct that they didn't make it. I think not making it's the problem. And then yeah. also, if you go back and look at the history of Ohio State football back to even 2000, but it doesn't even really matter. Just go to the beginning of the Urban Meyer era. The best teams they had didn't even make the playoff. Or if they did, they lost. Like all of their best teams didn't didn't win it. So it's just like to me, it's like with when you look at the way that that team has recruited over the course of the past decade, and then you match it with the results, they are much more. I mean, and like the thing that's so crazy is that their NFL draft numbers are insanely good. Yes, and the players coming in are very good. Yeah, the, and the they only don't lose other very many that... conference games. Like how, like how, what, how is it possible that a team that's had that much talent coming in and that much talent going out? not make the playoff half the time their best team of the last 10 years loses in the first round of the playoff. And then they get their doors blown off. The only other time they play for a national title, it's just like, what's going on there. This is an interesting thing. I, I, I have a hard time saying they've underachieved. I, I just do because they keep getting, it's just like I said with Georgia before last year, you keep getting bites at the apple. You break through. And obviously Ohio state has won a national title in the playoff era. Dude, so, it's been almost 10 years. It's been eight years. I I know. I know. And that, you know, some of it's luck. Like, that 2019 Ohio State team was awesome. They lose to Clemson in in a a controversial Fiesta Bowl, but it wouldn't have mattered because whoever played LSU was going to lose. But any other year, there's not that LSU team. And that 2019 Ohio State would have been one of the best teams in the country, clearly. But it's, it's been a consistent thing for the last 20 years with that program. I don't know. I just have a hard time saying that because they're because they've I, done I so a, well in every other facet. I'm you of can't the possibly think about it that way. Showing back up there that you're doing fine. That, that it's once you get to that level, once you are in that echelon, sometimes it comes down to luck bounces. Sure. All this other no, I agree. But 10 years almost is a long time. Okay, that that's a hot take. I will I will give you that one. Yeah, that it's not like they're the worst take. team. I'm just saying, with what they have, they've achieved the least. <sighs> Buckeye Nation is not going to be thrilled at you. I, I but what it's, I think uh, well, that, I think that people who who love Ohio State would probably look in the mirror and agree with me. I think the hypercritical people on the message boards, yes, they will agree with you. Now they're not going to like you saying it because you're not one of them, but. They will probably agree with it. You're right. Yeah, maybe it's a hot take. It's I just it, I just would have just expected hard more. To say like you were I at the know. 14 national title game, right? Yeah, I remember talking to you there. Yeah, if I would have told you Ohio State will only play for one more national title in the next eight years and never win another one after what happened that night, what would you have said? I would have said you're crazy because they were going to win it the next year. No questions. And then if I said no if they missed the playoff half the time. They've missed the playoff four times since then. I, I also would have said you were crazy. And there's been no drop-off whatsoever in recruiting. Nope. The, the talent seem, and talent and development, because they're still yeah. sending them to the NFL at the same rate. three too. receivers that were on their roster get taken back-to-back-to-back to back to back in the first round this year. Right. <sighs> it's, and they it's keep, interesting. They keep coming up short on the field. It's shocking when you say it, but the more you think about it, I'm not it's trying not. to be a hot take artist here. I mean, just think about what's what, what has occurred there. Yeah. And like the other thing too is um, you know, you, you look at at just 
last year's team specifically. Name one defensive playmaker on that team. Yeah. Like, well, how could you possibly recruit the way that they've recruited the last five years and not have a single identifiable recruiting, I mean, a defensive weapon? Now, is that is that a sign of the recruiting falling off or the development falling off? Um, maybe. Ob- obviously, they made a change at defensive coordinator, so we're going we're gonna to find out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe. I, I And I think they're in a very critical spot right now, too. Now, Jim Knowles like, took a, a group at, a, at Oklahoma State. Did, how many of those guys got drafted? How many of those defenders got drafted? It wasn't many. No, I think it was two. Yeah. Now they had, they were old. They, they were very old. They were very experienced. He's definitely working with more talent here. So if he comes in and, and just fixes it immediately, then I mean, then it's not hopeless. It they could go win the national title this year. And I look like they could. Like, I'm they not could. saying that they're not a good football team. I'm saying they've been so good for so long and they've not achieved anything on the field. And it's staggering to me. And I think that we get, they we haven't lose. achieved anything. I also I mean, think that Georgia probably would have been the answer to that in December. Like if I said the most underachieving team at that echelon, it's just hard to put yourself in that mind frame because when a team recruits as well as they have done and have won a playoff game in the recent past, you can't accept that. But when you really boil it down and think about the eight-year run that they've had since they won the national title, starting off with the best team in maybe college football history, not even making the playoff the following year, they haven't done anything in eight years. You heard him, Ryan Day. Get to work. He knows. <laughs> I know he knows. Yeah. All right. Non-football takes. I don't know if this is as much a hot take as I just want people who have done this to, to nod their heads and sympathize because this is, this is going to be life for the next week, week or so. You've heard me talk about removing wallpaper on this show mm-hmm. and how incredibly frustrating an experience a little piece is. of our wallpaper came off and it's really bothering me yeah like you can you... see you can see it's kind of starting to detach a little bit and you can't just go up and pat it because then it'll get wrinkled mm-hmm. and it, well, you it's did actually the, you did the roll yeah the the, the i didn't do anything you paid and, somebody yeah i know you paid somebody to put on stick on wallpaper that's this is more about you and they else. didn't do a great job yeah so real wallpaper though is a pain in the ass to get off but you know what's more of a pain in the ass to take off? Tile. We began the demolition of our backsplash in the kitchen tonight. Well, my wife did. Well, she got home from work. I was taking Why are you doing this? Things. What's that? Why do you do this stuff to yourself? Because the backsplash is hideous. The rest of the I'm house... not saying don't remodel it. I'm asking you why you're removing tile with your okay. bare hands. So a kitchen backsplash is not a big enough job for someone who does that sort of thing right now to break away from the much larger jobs that they're doing building houses. Like they're they're probably contracted with a builder who's putting up eight houses right now. And so they're doing eight backsplashes and all the single person the tile to work in the backsplash down. Not for a reasonable put the tiles price. In after? Yes, we are gonna put the tiles on too. So my my brother in law has done a lot of tile work in his life. He's coming up. He's going to bring the wet saw. He's going to show us how it's done, and we're going to all do it. And I'm four states over, and I'm anxious to thinking about it. It's going to look awesome. I bet it will, but it's going to be a miserable few days for you. It the the, the taking of off of the tile is going to be miserable. I feel like once now we we already worked on a little bit of drywall patching in another project that we just did, and we, we feel pretty confident with that. So that part I'm not terribly worried about. It's just getting all this crap off. And 
it's just you you've got your hammer and your little chisel thingy and you just go at it and it is maddening <laughs> it's absolutely maddening and dirty and dusty like the whole kitchen is just covered in dust now i've never done that before and i i already know that it would be terrible so yeah so i i am but i'll be very glad when it's done that we did it and it will know because eventually we're going to do the bathroom too well you'll have to do some before and after picks i'm very curious to know what kind of tile did you go with so it's going to be it's going to be a white not necessarily a white subway tile because that kind of smoothness wouldn't really fit in with the cabinet color and the and the, the countertops so it's going to be more of a kind of stone looking white tile rectangular the the tile that's in there now is like this alternating brown gray and blue it's ugly it, it's just it's what the one like part the... of one part of that area that i don't like everything else in that kitchen is not the cabinets are, are really nice the countertops are nice but this this backsplash brings the whole thing down darkens the whole area so this will make it bigger it'll make it brighter and look bigger i feel like you've got uh you've done a lot of home renovating didn't you recently do a pool Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know somebody else did that. That's that's no, I know way beyond well, you got like 300 brother. grand of equity in that place or what? I mean, you're just rolling in dough over there. We we are not, but <laughs> no, no, Mr. Mr. Home improvement. I mean, you're at least those are things that will will pay off for you. Oh, yes, way. yes. Yeah. And we will save a lot on this tile project versus what we'd have to pay. Because, again, the folks who are doing that work are charging a premium right now because they could be doing this for a builder and doing multiple projects at once and just knocking them out. So this is just be careful with the house because I think there's nothing worse in the world than when people get tattoos and do shoddy work. Right. It's like you just got this thing permanently oh, uh, yeah. applied this onto is... your body. Why does it look like Edward Scissorhands did it? No regrets. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Like, or have you ever just seen like some people's tattoos in public and it looks like an eight year old drew it? Yeah, those like, people why were would probably you do in that? prison when that got done. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some really... I mean, I'm one of my best friends in the entire world, and I'm I'm going to make fun of him right now, but Go he has it. a tattoo on his back that says, only the dead have seen the end of war. And he's why? he went to Iraq, and he's like okay. a veteran. Like I mean, oh, okay. it's like, well, it makes sense. Okay, that's Okay, and I understand why he, he would write that, because he actually lived that truth. Okay. But then on his bicep, it says, death is just the beginning which is conflicting with what he said on his back and beginning is spelled wrong. And I'm just thinking oh. to myself, like you have to like, it says beginning. There's one end. Death is just the beginning with the net one end on the end. And, and I, I guess he was having he a crazy, the, he's having a crazy the, night, in Newport beach or something. He wasn't lucid during the time and he'll, he'll joke about it, but there it's like the movie forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's like, this is Hindu. This is, this is gibberish. This is that these are all conflicting ideologies. This means you're full of shit. It's like, if you're going to put stuff on your body, like, just think about it, you know? And I don't know how I went on this tangent. Well, spell it right. That's spell. No, I I, I know how you went on this. Because I will tell you. Don't mess up your kitchen, bro. Yeah. Removing tile (laughs) is probably like, well, my wife actually does remove tattoos for a living at work. They laser. Okay. So I might have, I might have to get her business card. (laughs) Yeah. Not for me. Oh, no, no. I'm going to get it to my buddy. Actually, oh, okay. one of my best friends, my other best friend, has my name tattooed on his body in two places. He's got my initials on his bicep and on the back of his left uh, leg. It says, don't get cute with the dice, Gladys. 
and it says dash Ari Wasserman full tattoo. My name is on his thigh. Why? Why? I mean, it's, it's we were in it's, Vegas and we were playing craps uh-huh. and I was 25 and I was not sober. And we were, we had a lot of money out there, probably more than I could afford to lose at the time. And a person, my personal pet peeve, and this, these aren't even my takes, Andy, but this is why you have me on the show, right? So yes. just, I hate, 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 hate when you're playing craps and the person who's throwing the dice blows on them. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't know why it, people do it. I don't know it's why. It's nasty and it doesn't really change doesn't what they're going to roll. It doesn't. It's not. It's just all you're doing is holding everybody up and we want you to roll the dice. So belligerent Ari roll yells across the table. Don't get cute with the dice, Gladys. I don't know why I called him Gladys. It was the first uh, old lady name that came to my mind. My friend thought that was the funniest thing in the entire world. And then a week later had it tattooed on the back of his leg. And I'll send you a picture of it. Was he also drunk when he got it tattooed on his leg? My, that that guy's got a lot of tattoos. So, like, okay. I, I don't know. I, I think he put it in a place where he knew people wouldn't see it. He was just adding to the pastiche and wanted to make sure that you and were he has tremendous work. Like, his arms, like, the work that he has on his arms. Like, I'm not a tattoo person, but, like, he, he spent the money. He's got a mural of his parents' faces on it, and it looks just oh, like I, them. I'm and- very jealous when I see the person with the sleeve. And they've got clearly put a lot of yeah. They clearly put a lot of thought into it and gone and to a real who artist. Did it? Who was an yeah. artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do that, pay the money and do it. Do it right. So my the reason why we're talking about this is if you are going to do something to your home by yourself because there isn't labor or you want to save money, I appreciate that. But you're in that kitchen every day, and the kitchen is the number one sales piece, right? Are, for any are, home. You're going to kill it, right? I'll send you some pictures of what my brother-in-law did in his own kitchen, his own bathroom, and his outdoor kitchen. I can't even hang a mirror. So when you start talking about black splashes, like I get hives. So no, you no, just no. you have to yeah, and I, and I trust you. You you've or you've never steered me wrong. No, I, I I've got I, I've got someone coming in who is a, very good at attaching tile to a vertical wall. So I'm not worried about it. It's yeah. going to look great. It's going to look better probably than if we'd hired someone who for them, it's just yeah, you, you, another you job. don't need my advice. You get it. I just, you know, as your friend, I just, I felt more comfortable. To oh say yeah. It. Yeah. You don't l- listen. Bad tile work is like a bad tattoo because it is a pain in the ass to get fixed. So, and, and just ask um, my wife who has had to laser some people. Yes. Check your phone in a second. Cause I sent you the tattoo and maybe we can okay. put it out with the promo tomorrow, but you're going to laugh. Um, and while wow it's wow you're and your name spelled right that's the best part he he spelled my name correctly but that is on my friends that's the person who married us this is the person who introduced me to brit wow so now is yeah. there a reason that the the five is showing on the die i don't know I, there's a reason i don't i don't remember what it was off the top of my head wow uh, so i think that there's another well there's another quote on his other leg and i think it's a two I really hope that at some point in my life, I say something prof- profound enough that someone will tattoo it on a part of their body. That I don't know that it was ass. profound. I just think we were 20 and, and dumb, but <laughs> maybe we'll, I just, I wanted to prove to you that I'm not full of crap. Okay. All right. So you ready for my last take as this podcast I'm goes ready. off the rails? Bacon is overused. It tastes okay. good. It just doesn't have ag- to be in everything. I will agree with you. If you'd have said bacon is overrated, I would have left this podcast, driven to the airport, flown to Dallas, 
and fought you. But I think bacon, bacon is great. Over, yeah, bacon is overused is not necessarily a hot take. Like chocolate dip bacon doesn't need to appear in every mixed drink. It doesn't have to be on every sandwich I order everywhere. Um, it kind of does because I'm the type of person better. that will. And we, I had a, I ate a grilled cheese with you the yes, other night. You had and the I bacon, the bacon taken out, off, mm. and you thought that was odd. I had like, bacon on. It I was like delicious. Bacon. It doesn't have to be on my sandwich. I take when I order a cheeseburger. If it comes with bacon, I take the bacon off. I like it with breakfast. I like it in other certain areas. Um, I don't know. I don't want it on every because it's the, it overpowers the taste of everything. I don't want it on my pizza. I don't want it in calzones. I don't want to taste bacon every time I'm eating other things. See, I think I think it provides a. It doesn't overpower pizza or a burger or a grilled cheese. Where I don't like it is the stunt bacon, putting the bacon in the thing that doesn't usually have any bacon. Yeah, there's I, a bacon of ice owns cream a, owns a donut shop and they have bacon on the donut. And I'm like, I don't, I would not right. want to eat that. I've eaten it. It's okay, but if, I, if I'm eating a donut, I don't need anything that savory with my donuts. Do you need bacon on your pizza though, dude? I enjoy bacon on my pizza. It's delicious. I just like, it's just, it's a breakfast flavor to me. See, I don't, I, I don't discriminate like that. All the good flavors are are good any time of the day. Yeah, and I would also eat breakfast any time of the day. I also order my breakfast sandwiches, which you also saw in Arizona with egg and cheese only. I like them plain, and I like bacon on the side. But you do have the bacon; you just don't want them in your sandwich. That's right. What is it? it? Maybe it's something about bacon and bread that you don't like. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just isn't. I, and it's not that if it were in it, I would still eat it. It's not like I dislike it. Right. But I you just, just I find it to be it. more to satisfying like a breakfast sandwich. And Bill thinks Bill Landis thinks I'm crazy because he's a big purveyor of breakfast meat. But so whenever I only, order the only time you like bacon, plain strips of bacon at breakfast. That's my preferred time to eat it. Yes. I see. My preferred time to eat it is all the time. Like. If you handed that's me what a I'm plate saying. of bacon, it's that... overused. I don't need to have it all the time. It's good, but it's good at breakfast. And if it disappeared I, from Earth, I, for I would meal, prefer it all the that. time. Like if I have the option, I will take it. But like I, I view cheese like that. I want cheese on everything all the time. Sure. Who I don't think bacon is cheese. Bacon is very as a special. It's better than cheese. I disagree. If you if you had to pick. What would be removed from this earth that you could live with? You'll never be able to eat cheese in any form again, or you'll never be able to eat bacon again. You would take bacon over cheese? You would sorely mistake. That's a Ooh, huge no, mistake. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that because that, that would ruin pizza. It would ruin everything. If bacon but disappeared from earth, I would be fine. The beauty of it is they both exist, and so given the chance to have them both together, I will always take that chance. I know, but it's not cheese. Like, I don't okay. know why we've made it to che- made it into cheese where it has to be present in every... It doesn't have to be, but if it's It available, is on every menu. It's always there. As an option. I mean, most of the time... It wasn't an option. I had to remove it from my sandwich the other night. It's like that, oh, from on that all these cheese? menus. Man, you were nuts. That that bacon was perfect. I'm sure you enjoyed it. I'm not... Dunk in that tomato soup. Oh. Let me be clear. If my sandwich was made with the bacon, I wouldn't not eat it. I don't dislike it. I dislike having to dance around it all the time because it's present on every menu, on every menu item when it doesn't belong on it. It just doesn't bother me. Just yeah, and I'm sure most people most people will agree with you, but I wanted to have a, a non-football take that would get some people riled up. And yeah, the, that'll do the, beauty, it. the beauty of this is, is that I truly believe it, and you've seen it in person. 
Yes. I'm not messing around two times when we ate, ate meals last week. I had to remove bacon from my sandwich. You're a man of great passion. I appreciate that, Art. And I'm real. You're wrong on this, but I appreciate okay, it. I could be wrong, I'm, I'm, but I'm honest about how I feel. I don't no, I'm, sure I'm glad. I, yeah. you're, you're, the courage of your convictions is what matters to me, not the fact that you're wrong. I'm very scared for this, for this podcast to go on the internet, by the way, because I think people are going to get more mad at me. Like of all the takes that I said, usual, out to, I think more people are going to be mad about bacon than anything I said about. Football. No, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, everybody who's listening to this right now, if you have not given us a review, please give us a review. I hope you give us a five star review, but even a four star or three star would help. We've got a counterbalance. There's one review that your stars matter co-host Mitch Light has uh, has helped us get. It's a one star review and the person wrote in all caps complaining that Mitch Light does not use a pop filter on his microphone. That he's I, had it, his I sent him that. Yes. Yes. It is the angriest review because we have several one-star reviews from people who don't like some of the things we've said. And listen, in this line of work, it happens. But it's the angriest review we've gotten. So we need to counterbalance that. So by all means, Can I say something about the one-star review? review? Sure. If something that we said made somebody angry, that's fine. Like, you're not supposed to agree with everything that we say or the tone of everything that we say. But it doesn't mean the podcast sucks. It just they, means that you didn't appreciate that comment. They can so when you whatever they want, Ari. That's that's the beauty of being the consumer. I know, but they, it, 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 if they want to give us a one, one star, star review, that's means fine. That you think our podcast is a one star. And it's like, I disagree with things you say all the time. I still think that you're a five-star personality. <laughs> like, I don't know why that like that's the response. Like, oh, we showed them, you know? No, it, it, it's fine. Again, not everything is for everybody. And if I you don't like one turn on a microphone and talk into it, someone's going to disagree with you. It's okay. But I, I say, think being disagreed with is healthy. I think saying that the podcast sucks because you disagreed with something is, is not nice. But we, what we need is the silent majority to speak up. So hammer that, those five-star reviews, and we're going to take the pee-popping complaint right out of there we're gonna even it out we're gonna turn it into like a 4.9 average by the way my favorite part of that is it's updated so there was a there was an original complaint and and my guess is it's been lengthened to complain more about the the popping of the peas by mitch light it happened again i he said the, the if you look at it now it's the review says updated in parentheses it's I'm tremendous. Gonna, I'm going to have to get with Mitch on that because I actually told him to fix that. The level of passion that this guy has for the popping of the peas, and I hope I'm not doing it now. Dude, this is I, really angry. Yeah. I'm reading it. It's all caps. For the love of God, this is this, one too many episodes in which your mic has no pop filter. How has no one corrected this? Go to the local music shop and buy a $20 pop filter. I can't listen to another episode of... Quarterback. I feel for the guy. Listen. Oh, oh, update. Here's the update. Oh, okay. 421. Mitch's mic is perfect now. I hope this is a permanent update. But he didn't it's update still the review. still a one-star review. Bullshit. <laughs> what? I wish that we could respond to these guys. Gainesville well, Yak. I, He's in your city, bro. I'm going to respond to him now. 
Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Did Peter Piper pick a peck of pickled peppers? If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where's the peck of pickled peppers that Peter Piper picked? All I know is about the Peter Piper pizza is the pizza people pick. Was the number one commercial when I was a kid in Update that review. He's in Gainesville. Fine. We can Gainesville, we can hash yeah. it out in person. Okay. We, we, we can hash it out in person. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun. On Wednesday's show. Impeccable day. Impeccable, yes. On Wednesday's show, Brody Miller, the Athletics LSU beat writer, will talk Brian Kelly, the new adjustment to the new school, the family, and everything. We'll talk fit, why that doesn't matter, and why winning matters. And on Thursday, Ari with Stars Matter. And on Friday, Ari's going to give you guys some life advice. I think we should all be very, very excited. I'm probably going to tattoo some of it on my calf. Let's be perfectly honest. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.